Alright, how are you getting on? How's things? Sorry, let me fix the mic. Um, hey, uh, hey, you can call me uh, Dr. Conrad Murray, because I'm fixing the mic. Fixing it so he doesn't live again. Um, Dr. Conrad Murray killed Michael Jackson. Dr. Conrad Murray. Should we like? Should he be? Should we praise him? He's still doing time. I'm holding a very hot cup now. My wife, my darling wife, um, my darling wife seems to have a, um, a kind of ulterior motive here. She wants to burn my hands. Uh, I'll explain exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, in this case, I'm holding a pewter a mug that she got me. And I tell you, the only mug is me because it's burning my hand. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a massive conductor of heat. Um, and I'm not talking about bloody uh, a conductor of heat. What are you talking about? Michael Mann? Uh, hang on, who did the music? Who did the music for the film Heat? One second here. Uh, Heat film score. You probably know it, Alan Silvestri or someone. Heat film score. Sorry, it's taking longer than I thought it would happen. Um, Elliot Goldenthal. Elliot Goldenthal. <laughs> hey, you can call me, uh, you can call this mug rather, Elliot Goldenthal, because it's a massive conductor of heat. Um, I've never seen heat. I've never seen any, I don't think I've ever seen any Michael Mann movies. Super <gasps> few people having a spit take in their, um, you know, regular mugs today, hearing me say that. A few people like, what? You haven't seen any Michael Mann films? They go all Hans Zimmer on me because I haven't seen a fucking Michael Mann film. Right? I haven't seen any Michael Mann films. I haven't seen Collateral. I haven't seen Heat. I haven't seen all the other good ones. I haven't seen any of the good ones. Um, Manhunter? Does that him as well? I haven't seen that. Michael Manhunter. I haven't seen it. Um, And you're like, oh, you have it. When am I going to find it? You messed me. Don't be, getting, don't be getting me upset here by me trying to find the time to do that, by the way. Upsetting me. And another thing I have to say, before I get on to the other thing I have to say about hot mugs, which I, there is another thing I want to say about that, but before I get on to that, I want to address something. I'm not doing a recap of the Great British Bake Off this year, okay? Uh, I have found that I have two hours of my evening uh, where I don't think about myself. <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to hamper that, right? I have two hours where I don't view my lot in the world and think, am I be, be being a good enough content creator? There's two hours I get in the evening, right? I go to bed at 10 o'clock, right? I'm not, I'm not right now, because I don't have the mental fortitude to um, do two podcasts a week, prepare for a tour, edit a show, and um, and uh, record a video bake-off. I tried to do the highlights, and I'll tell you what happened. I was enjoying doing the highlights, and a few people were messing with me saying, no, please just do the podcast. And do you know what I said? I made an emotional decision, and I said, no, no no one gets anything. That's an emotional decision that I made about my career in a public sphere. <laughs> like a petulant boy. Um, someone said, oh, no, that's not good enough. If that's not good enough, then you're getting nothing. And I deleted everything. And I deleted everything. But also, I wasn't, I was, I don't, I don't watch anything on the day that it comes out. And I didn't like doing that. So this is what's gonna separate this is what separates me from the greats. This is what separates me from the greats like um Fanula J and you know um you know meme machines like Justine Stanford and Michael Fry. That's what separates me from the from the people who are on the finger to pulse, right? So not to slag anyone else off, but you're you're not as fucking you're not as quick on the on the dial as them. 
Anyway, the other thing about hot mugs is my wife has another fucking mug. She's trying to make me burn my hands off. I didn't bring in my bowl of change. I was meant to bring in a bowl of change for every time I swear. I'll do it next week. Remind me next week to bring in the bowl of change. So I can put it in swear jar after every swear. Um, but my wife as well, she gets me this handless mugs. She these handless mugs. She prefers the mugs we have don't have handles. Right? Um, and we have, uh, we got some just... And that's what's so great about Japan. We were in Japan, and um, that's literally what I was going to say. They're so great. But we walked into a pl- walked into a place, couldn't have been couldn't have been fancier than a dollar store. We picked up some mugs, and they're the most uh, pristine piece of ceramics we get, we got. Got in a fucking dollar store in Japan. This is the sort of stories me and my wife say. You wouldn't believe we got an equivalent of a equivalent of a flying tiger over there. Look at the look at that's handmade. That's handmade. You know. But anyway, I also burned my hands. And then my very talented friend, Claire Campion. Um, you should check her out on Instagram, Claire Campion. Um, she does uh, amazing ceramics. And we got some sets um, when we moved into the, the flat here. And uh, and again, my wife went for the ones with no handles, right? We have some with handles. And we're fighting over them. We got one, one, one mug left with handles. We gave another one away as a gift. We got one mug with a handle. We're fighting over it. My wife keeps bringing these handless mugs. So whatever, you know. But I love it. I think it's great. I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have it any other way, you know. Wouldn't have it any other way. Nothing's mine anymore. Not that I want anything, but nothing is mine. I don't. Ha- I don't. I don't even get to open a pack of popcorn without paying some sort of tax in this family. I have to pay a tax, even a pack of popcorn. Like, do you want a pack of popcorn? You should know. And this is hacky shit, right? This is hack material. Do you want a pack of popcorn? She goes, no. And then over the pack of popcorn, she takes, she takes a few handfuls of it. And I'm like, I whimper sometimes. And she thinks I'm joking, but I am crying. She thinks I'm joking. Nothing's mine anymore. Do I not just even get to... I got... We got... She, got, <laughs> she brought Dunkin' Donuts over to our goddaughters there yesterday. Um, our, our niece and nephew. Nieces and nephew. And... Um, she brought some Dunkin' Donuts, and everyone was allowed to pick whatever donut they want. She picked her donut. I picked my, my donut, right? She was halfway through eating her donut. I hadn't even put the donut up my mouth, and she says, I'm having a bite of that. <laughs> and she said, I'm having a bite of that. And I, and it's not all I have, but in the moment, I think because I'm such an emotional leader, it feels like all I have, you know? So my reaction is always feeling, how can you do this to me? It's all I have. All I have is this donut. <laughs> as I say to my doting wife who's uh, nursing my boy sorry hit the mic hey you can call me Buster Douglas after hitting the mic with a coffee with a cup of coffee hey you can call me um, the Starbucks employee who got felt up by Tyson uh, I don't know he didn't get felt uh, in that I after hitting the mic with a cup of coffee <laughs> is this any good how are you doing are you having a good sound and I don't have my Halloween costume sorted okay I don't have my Halloween costume sorted I don't know what I'm going to do I was going to go as Hans Gruber from Die Hard just so I could dress my son as Bruce Willis because he's, he's kind of bald, you know, have him run around in little vest and jeans and socks, you know, put, put a few detonators on him, you know, have him run around. My wife will dress as uh, either Holly McLean or uh, in a curly wig and a blouse uh, or um, or Carl. Carl's the big jacked Aryan dude, isn't it? The big, big henchman, you know, with the big thick neck. Um... So yeah, we were thinking if we could do something like that. But you know what? Then something then what I thought I might do is um, my brother got me a little Mandalorian uh, Nerf shooter to have wearing your wrist, and I love wearing it. And I love shooting my wife with it. 
So I might um, dress as a, I might do a tinfoil Mandalorian costume. I'm sure. I am sure. In fact, I got a fuckload of cardboard I have to get rid of. And duct tape. Oh my God. Yes. Mando it is. Great. I'm, I'm glad I have that sword now. I'm so glad I have you, a best friend, that I can bounce these ideas off, right? Huh? Yeah, Terry, I actually have a best friend. It's called my podcast listeners. They're my best friends. I have a best friend. Why do I need to go outside ever? All of my best friends are in my office where I speak to them through my microphone. And we have a perfect relationship. They can't speak back to me. Um, anyway, let me tell you about the sponsors of this week's podcast. My, my, my other, my actual best friends, uh, the sponsor. The Dubliner Irish Whiskey. And let me tell you, I am very excited to be making some spooktastic, spooktacular, spookgasmic cocktails this spooky season. I'm making some Halloween cocktails is the thing I'm saying. And here's one I came up with, right? I came up with a spooky cocktail. You can try this as well. And it'll only work if you have the Dubliner. So I will preface this. This will not work with any other Irish whiskey or bourbon. You know, and what's great about the Dubliner is why do you don't need to choose? Because you've got an Irish whiskey that's aged in a bourbon cask. But we'll talk about that in a second. This is my spooky cocktail I'm calling Slimer's Ectogasm, right? And what it is is, I'm going really obnoxious here. My coffee's fucking beating from my chest. Um, <laughs> thanks, Gary. Um, right, what you want to do is you need a cocktail shaker for this, and it'll only work with the Dubliner Irish whiskey bourbon cask um, green label ball. What you want to do is you want to have uh, to get a cocktail shaker, right? And you want to put in that 50 mils, right, of the uh, Dubliner Irish whiskey bourbon cask whiskey. You want to put in 35 mils of lemon juice. Uh, you want to put in about 12 and a half mils of sugar syrup, right? And how you make that is you basically just put a spoonful of sugar in a jar of water and you shake that up, right? You shake it up and... To be honest, the water will let you know how much sugar you want in that, right? You'll shake it up until the sugar has diluted, right? That's it, right? Um, you want to put a half a fresh egg white in there, put in some ice, and here's a little secret I learned from BBC Good Food, right? Put in a little, like, uh, Euro-sized uh, piece of lemon zest in, in the shaker, right? Add a bit of flavor, right? And then you want to shake... And I'm not messing around here. The fuck out of it. You'd want to swear Gozer was here. And you were trying to charge up your proton pack on shakes alone of this thing. Shake it so much harder than you think is you need to, right? And for ages. And it'll get really cold in your hand. But you'll be a brave little boy. And you'll shake it a bit more, right? And then what you want to do, shake it all out. And then strain it into an ice-filled rocks glass. Not the ice that was in the shaker. Different ice. You're going to be rinsing through ice on this, right? So you pour that over the different dice, and then you'll have a kind of a frothy uh, white um, kind of uh, drink, right? And this is how you make it uh, spooky. You get little Angostura bitters, right? Get a bottle of Angostura, put two da three dashes on. Two for the eyes, one for the scary mouth, right? And there you have a cocktail that looks like a ghost, and it tastes lovely. So there you are, now drink that, you know? Um, if you can, if you're not too scared. If you're not too scared. Ah oh, no, it can't hurt you. It's just a drink. Well, it can. Well, enjoy, enjoy responsibly, as I'll say. You know, because um, you don't want to be haunted. You don't want to be haunted by the horrors of drinking irresponsibly. I'm not talking about that, but like, hey, you'll have a good time. You'll have a good time. But drink responsibly. Anyway, um, yeah, check out the DLD.com if you want to get your hands on one of those bottles and check at Dublin or whiskey uh, on the Soch for all the things to do with them. But look, um, 
That's enough of that. Let's talk about this week's podcast. Uh, associate producer of the pod, researcher to the stars, Ben Clifford, has uh, found some phenomenal information online all about Sam Hain. Samhain. He's an actual badass neo-pagan, unlike myself, who's a bit of a poser. But anyway, I get to act like I am through his fine research. And all about Samhain on this, the Tony Cantwell Shit Show. And I know you and you know me And you should know that I am kooky I am spooky I am kooky I'm always wearing converse and flares I'm always wearing converse and flares I'm kooky I got a corduroy jacket I'm always wearing converse and flares I'm kooky, I'm kooky I wear a dragon shirt I wear a dragon shirt (laughs) Dragon shirts are kooky My mum used to The way my mum used to dress There was kind of the period where I wanted to start dressing myself and then uh, once my mom kind of got grips with my style, she'd be like, "My parents, that was, that was kind of kooky. That was kind of kooky." She didn't talk like that at all. Uh, that was kind of kooky, she'd say in her mannish voice. That was kind of kooky, and she'd come out with some satin dragon shirt, which at the time I was like, "Whoa!" And then I see the Rock wearing a silk shirt, and I'm like, "Give me the dragon shirt again. Can I wear the dragon shirt again?" You know, where'd you get this unique? Where'd you get this Burton's? Um. You know, she dressed me quite kooky for a while, um, which I like. Um, anyway, look, come here to me. How are you? I'm not asking you that again. Um, after spilling a bit of coffee on my leg and um, and I and I spilled uh, water on the ground. I tell you, you can call me the pregnant horse because I'm having a mare. <laughs> um, you can call me um, Johnny Depp uh, in... This one's not as good. Forget it. Well, I have to tell you now. You can call me Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street because I'm having a mare. Nightmare. Anyway, um, I'm talking about Sahon today. Um, and I want to preface this podcast by letting you know a couple of facts you already know. I'm not a historian. I am not an anthropologist. I read the tops of articles, a.k.a. the headlines. Right? I read some tweets and a bit of Wikipedia. If, but if it's more than five little categories, I'm not interested. It's too long. Right? So... I'm not here to be an authority on uh, pagan festivals or Irish tradition or anything like that. But my interest in sound comes from seeing the movie Coco, <laughs> right? I saw the movie Coco and I was like, we, why don't we do something similar like that in Ireland? Why don't we have, you know, an ofrenda where we have an altar with pictures of people who are gone and we talk about them once a year. And we kind of have something not the same, but at the similar time of year, we also have uh, a time of kind of reflection of mortality which i'm interested in because i feel like i feel like that's where kind of catholicism let you down because you catholicism will have you believe in an afterlife there's no real necessary time to reflect on anything it's just i'll see you later it's just kind of put on the long finger that i don't know if maybe you believe it and that's fine but i don't believe that i'll get there right so i don't know if i'll see you when i get there if i ever get there you know as, as Coolio would have me uh, believe, right? So I kind of feel like I love in Coco. I am basing my spirituality based on a Pixar movie. Yes. It's better, better, it has a better reflection of death than the movie Soul does, right? Um, I understand that some people can just be gone and lost to memory if they're not discussed and reflected on and having funny stories told about. And uh, Irish people have a very... 
I don't know if this is applicable for everyone, but I think of previous generations, when people are gone, I don't know if they were given enough time to mourn. Um, certainly with my parents' parents, um, I don't know if they were given enough time to mourn or to move on or to reflect or to fully analyse how they felt. And I don't know if they collectively as a family ever came together to try and reflect on people who were gone. And I would love to do something like that. I'd love to do something like that in my family. You know, I haven't had anyone really that close to me to me die. I haven't had, I have had, you know, I've had grandparents, you know, I've had um, uncles. Um, but, but I haven't really had anyone that has left a massive hole in my life. Not like, say, friends of mine who've lost parents. And I've seen the effect that that's had. And, you know, they, uh, you know, it is, it's very hard. And, you know, they even tell me that it doesn't necessarily get, easier you can just kind of live with it a bit more but it still leaves a massive hole and i and i like the idea of knowing that at least if someone were to go i would have time to kind of reflect i don't know if that's going to even be beneficial if you're someone who lost someone i you could probably be like no that's not really how it works right and there is no real future proofing for losing someone but i think i would love my kid to have a um a closer understanding of death and and maybe that might lend him more confidence in the moment and it might lend him a bit more time to reflect in the moment and to be a bit more present. And I think that's really what I would love to strive for, is to know that things come to an end and that someone else, but someone else will go on after you go or, you know, you will still go on after someone else goes. And and I don't know, there is a finite time and there is, you know, um, but even when someone's gone, they're not forgotten and we have these traditions to make sure that we we have that i'm trying to have this essentially in place for me before you know the worst thing could happen where i lose people who are who are very close to me you know but i could know that at least there will be time when i can talk about it and because when do you just when do you just say when is there a time where you're just like i want to talk about someone who died you know i want to talk about someone who very close to me who's who's passed you know i would love to have a tradition already in place for the family that we know we'll have to do something special if it's a year that someone died or we will collate stories or we'll put pictures together. Sometime where we can have a meal and we can reflect on that in a, in a, in a, in a fun way, you know, almost like, you know, having a fun wake or something like that where we tell the fun stories. Um, now, I don't know if that's possible. And to be honest, I don't even know what that's what sounds about, but I'm going to make it that way. <laughs> I'm going to make it that way. Because you can do whatever the fuck you want. You're an adult, right? You can decide that Rise of Skywalker film never happened. And you can decide that Samhain is the Irish uh, Day of the Dead. And it's a time where you eat a big meal and you talk about people who are gone. You can do whatever you want. You're a grown-ass man or woman or envy, right? So that's something that I'm interested in, uh, in, in having in my life. Uh, and I also love the idea that there is a spirituality here that is organic. There's a spirituality based on crops and harvests and suns and days and nights and and also that's just a bit fucking witchy it's also just a bit witchy right it's a bit magic there's fairies there's pukas there's mischief there's candy right all wrapped up in one holiday that sounds very exciting to me rather than just pumpkin spice lattes of tiktok moms do you know what i mean so um and also the fact that it is inherently irish now that's not necessarily the topics we're going to be talking about today but this is just where my interest comes from and that's as far as the research that i'm going to do but the man who's going to step in and do most of the research here is um associate producer of the pod mr ben clifford who has collated for me uh, some interesting facts about 
the uh, pagan holiday of Samhain. So Samhain, as with all things ancient Irish and traditional, writes Ben, it's all about the crops. Give me that sweet crop. Give me that sweet, sweet wheat. Um, the festival of Samhain celebrates the end of the harvest, the end of the summer, and is the midpoint between the summer and the winter solstice. Um, so as we all know, threshold festivals are when the veil between worlds is thinnest. So picture this, yeah? You got the winter solstice, you got the summer solstice, right? They're two tent poles propping up a bit of fabric, right? And then drooping down in the middle, right in the middle where it's gone all slack, is sound. So all the goblins are grabbing on it because it's down the ground. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense to you? This, makes, this doesn't really make sense to me. Well, that does make sense to me. Th th what Ben said, but what my analogy doesn't make sense. Um... And he's linked me here to an article um, interviewing Eddie Lenehan, who is a Shanachie. Shanachie's a kind of a old Irish storyteller where you tell, um, you know, he would be au fait with the ways of the fairy and would just tell unreal stories to lads. And um, I met one in uh, in Blarney. Um, and I tell you, he was fucking kissing the stone. You couldn't stop him talking, but it was wonderful. And I really enjoyed listening to him. But I don't like how they have normal names. I feel like Shanachie should have names like, you know, you know, Mickey fucking Mickey Leprechaun Stomper, you know, or, you know, Mary Fairy Wrangler, you know. I feel like they should have some sort of, you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he says, uh, Samhain and Bialtana were the two rent payment days in Ireland, and by Samhain, every farmer worth his name was expected to have his crops secured for the winter ahead. I am so King glad that's not the case now. Imagine going back being like, there's no crops, Terry. I was on TikTok all day. But I know how to make a table out of resin. If we have any old bits of wood and resin, I can make us a table. I know there's no spuds. Right, it's fine. I'm going to go trick-or-treating and knock on them. Doom, 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 doom. Trick-or-treat, smell me feet. Give me enough food to feed me family for the winter. Please. Look, I'm dressed as a goblin. I'll do a dance for you. You know, I'm so glad that that's not my reality right now. Um, so, but I understand, you know, um, oh, and sorry, Ben writes here that that's actually not like a quaint way of describing, like, uh, sorry, the paying the rent thing. People literally paid rent uh, on those two days. It wasn't like, you you know, oh, well, I'll pay a bit of the rent now, leave a few fucking spuds out for the fairies. Imagine that. Oh, you thought that's what rent, rent is due at the end of sound. Great, yeah, throw a few monkey nuts out there for the sheed, you know. Um, and Eddie also tells us of some hilarious pranks that you might find uh, during uh, Samhain. So he says, It was a time of dares and games. For example, daring a boastful person to go to a haunted place or a graveyard or fairy fort and bring something back to prove they've been there. I'd, ease, I'd do that easy. I would do it easy. I say Candyman in the mirror all the time. I run around at a hellfire backwards five times. And I haven't had anyone with goat legs come after me. So, um... But here's some mad pranks he used to do, right? He says, I well recall four examples from my home place in Kerry. The first involved keeping a close eye on a man who took his few pints every night. On one night, as soon as he left for the pub, the boys he has here in, in um, quotations, or in, um, you know, uh, the boys went to his yard, took the wheels off his ass cart. They took the wheels off his ass cart. They manhandled the cart and wheels uh, into the house then they brought in the ass tackled him to the cart uh, and then when the poor man arrived later he found the ass fully tackled in the kitchen god knows what he would have thought so hang on what did they do they they tore up his fucking cart that he probably built with his bare hands and they tied up his horse and they weren't even and the, the, the most egregious thing they weren't even there to spot like ah 
So that's the thing I don't get about pranks when they're just kind of left there, you know, like, like I've I've gone to gaffs. I've stayed in gaffs before and have left like fake uh, spiders in drawers after I leave. You know, I'm, I'm a real Mel Gibson, you know, um, he's a real prankster on set. You want to hear what he called uh, some of the some of the people. <laughs> you want to hear what he called some of the ethnicities. He was a real prankster on set was Mel. Um, no, um. That's awful. That's an awful thing to do. And donkeys really freak out with stuff like that. They really don't like that at all. Being tied up uh, in a kitchen, they really like you see their eyes. You know, really don't like that. So you shouldn't be doing that sort of stuff. But if you were to do that, why are you leaving then? Do you know what I mean? You're not hiding in the, you know, hiding in the curtains. You know, you're not going to see the payoff. You know, Eddie says here. I'm sure he thought there was some quality porter that night that he had. Um, I'd say he was just terrified for the sake of his ass. You know, and take it apart the cart. But um, the point I'm making here is I need to be there for a prank, right? I can't even, I think most people suffer from this as well. You start with a bit of a prank, right? Now, whether that's, I don't know, leaving a spider in the drawer, right? If you're not there to see the reaction, then was the spider even in the drawer? Was it even worth going to the joke shop? I remember buying a fake rat and staying with my ex-girlfriend. She was living in Edinburgh at the time and I was on my way through. I was going to, to Edinburgh, or sorry, I was going to Interrail after that. And I bought a fake rat and I put it in the drawer and... um and then I was halfway to Amsterdam and I texted and I was like, I didn't hear anything about it, you know. And I was like, look in the drawer. He's like, oh, okay. Thanks. What's this for? And I'm like, oh, I've, I've ruined it. I've ruined it. I've ruined it. I've, you know, it's the same. You can't, sometimes you just can't. It's like even when like we were in an Airbnb, my mate Bob, he bought fake shit and he left it on the ground. And then he was like, oh my God, look at that shit. And I'm like, you obviously put the shit there. You're not a very good actor, bro. You know? Not with this sort of situation. So if he had he left it, but you sometimes are so impatient. So I wouldn't be able to to um I wouldn't be patient enough for that. Another one here uh, writes Eddie was when the lads painted the windows of an old bachelor's house with tar. They tarred, not feathered, uh, an old lad's house, and the poor man apparently had no idea when morning came. <laughs> It was said afterwards that he didn't come out for three whole days until he got hungry. <sighs> That's kind of fun. But if you're, you know, it's. I'm just so glad it's like, you know, uh, that they didn't say we covered it in tar and we set his fucking windows on fire um, until he thought he was in pure hell. You know, still, though, fairly terrifying thing for an old man uh, to have just pure and utter darkness in your home for three days and be so terrified as to not go outside and to really think that it is the end of times because you don't have anyone there in your house because you're a bachelor to tell you that it's okay and it isn't the end of the world you know and imagine your mate told you that this old fucker right lives down this cul-de-sac near me gaff right a lovely guy like just hasn't met the right one anyway we covered up his windows with tar and he's actually <laughs> we kind of just thought that he would think it was like nighttime for a while and then probably about three days now fairly emaciated now when he came out <laughs> Another one writes Eddie was throwing wet sacks on people's chimneys. Throwing a wet sack on people's chimneys. So someone climbing up their gaff, throwing a wet sack on their chimney and then tying their fucking door closed from the outside. And he says here, when the kitchen began to fill up with smoke from the open fire, the so-called fun would begin. (laughs) Imagine just them screaming and bashing down the door 
and then just bashing down off their hinges their own door, finding that survival, sinewy, chimp strength that we all have that we luckily never have to access, knocking down the door and just plumes of smoke coming out and the lad's sitting outside and there's like, ah, ah, you thought you were going to die. Ah, that's what you get for not having a wife. Another one he says here is that drunks on their way home on this night were liable to be waylaid. Uh, I recall in one such case where the man in question uh, was asleep on the roadside. He had his Wellingtons removed. They took his boots. He took his boots, bro. And then his trousers. And then his Wellingtons, sorry, were put back on and he was left there in his drawers. Imagine what he must have felt when he woke up somewhat sobered and cold in the morning. (laughs) If he was alive. Fucking height of October. Taking the boys, taking the boys' trousers. So we saw this lad. He was like passed out, right? And you know, you think like, what do they do with a call ambulance? In this case, we took his wellies off and we took his trousers off, and then we put his wellies back on. <laughs> what you what you do with the trousers? Fucking in the liffy or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, that's you know. Would you not do you know? And as well, but also, you know, you're not going to be there in the morning to be like. I, I would I would camp if I was if I was committing to the prank, right? This prank of stealing a man's trousers, right? I would at least want to be there the morning. I'd camp out over that. I'd like I'd like bring a bring a sleeping bag, you know, bivy bag, and lie next to the man. And then when he woke up and he's like, "What the fuck?" I'd be like, "Ah, half asleep in the sleeping bag." Ah, look at you. What was it? A puka stole your trousers, did they? Ah, right. Um, so hilarious pranks. So those pranks include um, taking, tying up a donkey, terrifying the poor beast, um, and uh, totally uh, taking apart someone's cart, livelihood likely, um, in having it in the kitchen. Right. So basically taking a, taking apart someone's entire life, put it in the kitchen. Um, another one is um, painting a lad's uh, with tar. Which is never, ever going to go off. Some old bachelor's um, gaff. So he believes that uh, day will never rise for him again. Um, uh, trying to kill someone with smoke inhalation is another hilarious prank. Um, throwing wet sacks and then uh, stealing someone's trousers. Which, to be fair, if I do practice what I preach in terms of believing that jocking should come back, um, I should be on board with that. But I just don't like the idea. You know? I mean, look, we've all, you know... I I would hate for me to be sitting down on the on the curb eating a mega box and some lad coming along being like I'm here for your trousers. I'd be like this is the worst thing ever. You know I might be able to lie about the smell of curry on my breath, but I'm not going to be able to lie about my lack of trousers. You know. But anyway, I jumped onto the pranks too fast. Basically, what this is is all the work is done. Right. It's time for celebration. Adults, children alike, you can enjoy yourself, have some fun, have some games, have a bit of nut, have a bit of apple, candles on a turnip. You know what I mean? That sort of stuff. Um. And he writes here, this sense of jollity remains even today, though pumpkins have replaced the turnips. And shop goods have overtaken the homemade varieties of almost every article, uh, including Barn Brack, he writes. Um, Yeah, the turnips have a much scarier face because you can actually really carve out good teeth from a turnip, you know. I get the pumpkin thing. It's empty on the inside. It's easier for carving. But if you really want to scare the hell out of someone, carve it into a turnip. So what's with all the dead shit? Why are we dressing up as the dead? Well, Ben writes here in a very funny joke. He says, why are we dressing up as sexy vampires, sexy zombie nurses, and sexy culturally vibrant Dublins? Because they're all dead. 
Very good. Do you want to write my stand-up? Do you want to write my stand-up special? I'm fucked. I'm fucked for next year. Anyway, no. Um, no, they're all dead. <laughs> so it's to confuse um, the, the tricksy good folk coming here to cause chaos, essentially. Uh, it's for you to look like you're dead, like in Shaun of the Dead. So that you can blend in with the zombie horde. So it's like you're dead. So it means they're not going to come for you. It's like everyone dressing up as a load of Ashtons. You know, everyone's coming out here looking really attractive with their side with their sideboards baseball caps. Right. Their new balance caps. And then you're like, how can I punk anyone? I'm Ashton. Right. I'm Ashton. Me and my wife is Ashton. You can't punk me. That's essentially what you're doing. But also, right, you're dressing as the dead to trick not just Ashton to trick the living. Right? Because everyone's expecting the dead are going to show up. Everyone's leaving food out for the dead. Everyone's lighting the fire to guide the way for the dead. Right? So imagine, picture this, right? Your neighbor, Jerry, right? He's in his gaff. He's there. He's done all his bits, right? He's got the fire out. He's got the, 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 the food left out. And he's just expecting the dead might be coming by, right? And he's recently lost his Uncle Tommy, right? And then you, as a hilarious prank, a trick, you might even say, knock at the door and you're like, Doom, 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 doom. And he opens the door and he sees you terrifyingly dressed as sexy baby Yoda. And he's like, Uncle Tommy? And you're like, yeah. Now give me some, with the greatest respect, give me some fucking proper big moros. <laughs> like a big moro. I don't even know how to do moros anymore. Boosts or whatever. Right? I don't want a fun size. Give me the big one, right? And if you have anything else, and put it in the bag there, and I won't haunt you, you know. That's essentially what we're doing these days. Does that make sense? Have I made it? Does that make sense as an example? And I tell you, you want to check out the National Museum, right? Especially, I don't know if you've ever been to Turlock Park, the National Museum there. Um, it's kind of the the, the home um, and and country kind of. Is it called Home and Country? Is that just a magazine or a Country Life um, uh, Museum? And they've got. All the old fucking scary as fuck sound masks that lads used to go around in. And there's a common factor in all these masks. Now, what they might do is just put, like, it might be a flower bag. might be a potato sack. And then what they would do is kind of sew on fake hair, right? And they're always sewn on a massive runny, right? Because apparently then, and I don't know, there's no research done into this at all. But they all have massive eyebrows and a massive runny. Everyone looks like fucking Jake the Snake Roberts, right? They must have found that to be the most terrifying sight is a big old Ronnie. And I tell you, if you've watched uh, Dark Side of the Ring, Jake the Snake Roberts' is real life. Oh my God, what a horrible life that man's had. But anyway, I'm not talking about that right now. So you're pretty much just dressing up as a big sexy potato, writes, uh, writes Ben. And that's why we dress up uh, in sacks. That'd be a good um, sound costume, would be some of these traditional things because they look just take a pillowcase, cut two holes in the eyes and then just sew a load of hair on the nose and the eyebrows. Um, and people believe that that was their Uncle Tommy, and they're like, "I better give this fucker as much penis as that peanuts <laughs> as I have, you know, otherwise he'll haunt my days." Leaving shit out. So look, we're talking about food, right? Why is food left out? Now I don't leave anything out. They call me the bin. I don't leave anything on my plate, and I don't leave anything on anyone else's plate. They should call me the sound bin, right? Anyway, um. Whenever food is mentioned in Samhain or Bealtaine or anything to do with uh, Irish tradition, it's usually to appease the seed, the fairies, the folk, the the pukas, the leprechauns, the banshee. Um, and that's why we leave out fruit and monkey nuts, writes Ben. Um, 
And for whatever reason, having big parties with food and drink was to show respect for the dead. I'm telling you now, hopefully I will outlive all of you who are listening to this. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But if I happen to pass, um, I hope that to honour me and to entice me back, you'll leave a couple of chicken balls out your door um, every year and on Halloween, right? And you'll hear, do you know what'll happen? You'll leave one out, right? And you'll close the door and you'll hear some chains. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear, plume, plume. and then uh, you'll open the door and the chicken ball will be gone. With a little note that says, yeah, a bit of curry sauce next time, love. <laughs> I'm supposed to eat this dry, am I? Um, but as well as that, it was to, uh, being the, the veil being thinner and obviously enticing the dead, um, it was a good time to chat to the dead. So what uh, people would do is plate up full meals uh, open up their windows, invite their ancestors in, and children would play games to entertain the dead, and adults would fill in the dead of the past uh, year's news. See, that's the thing. When you're alive, you can't admit that the greatest form of entertainment is watching kids trying to get apples, whether they be in a basin full of water and they almost waterboard themselves, or they're hanging from a string and they go too hard, push it, and then it smacks them back in the head. We all, we can't say this while we're alive, but the greatest pleasure in life is seeing kids fail to eat apples. So I think when we die, we can finally let go of that taboo and we can finally be there, you know, being like, <laughs> watching kids. Um, you know, as I said, you know, um, uh, waterboard themselves. Um, the food would also either be left for the dead or anyone with a little less could have the dead's portion. Do you want me dead's portion there? No, I have two dinners there. Do you want me dead's portion there? I'm not going to finish that. You don't want the dead's portion. Um, I'm gonna, uh, maybe that's a nice way of asking for people's leftovers. Can I have your dead's portion there? Sorry, I just noticed you weren't going to finish half that burger there. Can I have the dead's portion? You know, who's coming for that? No spirits coming for that. Give that to me, a.k.a. the bin. So what about the fire, right? Well, as I told you in a previous pod, Ben set me up to fucking fail because he told me last time during my Bjeltina podcast that when the fire in the hearth was quenched on May Day and then relit from the bonfires outside and was never allowed to go out other than that, turns out he was a liar and that you can also quench the hearth during Samhain and relight it from one of the Samhain bonfires, one of the big ones. But this time it isn't for wealth, it isn't for prosperity. It is for welcoming the dead um, uh, back into the home safely, right? So where did this tradition begin? So the tradition of bonfires began with the uh, with a celebration that took place in uh, Chokta Hill in the Boyne Valley. That's in Meath. It's now called the Hill of Ward, I believe, in Meath. Historians say that on Halloween night, people would extinguish their own heart fires and make way to Chokta, where a massive Samhain fire would be lit, signifying the birth of of the new year and signify that household fires could be relit and the spirits of dead ancestors could be welcomed into the home safely. Now, look, I don't want to necessarily go back to exclusively farming potatoes and eating only potatoes, right? I'm not after that. They'll get born pretty quick, okay? Um, But isn't there something to be said about everyone coming together and accepting that we all did our part for this community that all fits together and gels well together and that we can all come together and be like, now we all have the same fire burning in our hearth at home. We all worked really hard. We all reflected on the year that went by. We reflected on the fact that people come and people go and sometime there will be a Samhain when you will potentially come back and walk among, you know, eating a few chicken balls outside people's doors. You know, um, as long as you're remembered and reflected on and welcomed back, you know. And I'll, you know, you'll sometimes do it from this side. Or you'll sometimes do it from the other side. But it'll, you know, it'll live on. 
and you know even if you're not cognizant for it is there not something to be said for that you know no okay fine whatever fuck you um he's also got a great story here to do with fires during Samhain um from the Fenian cycle of Irish mythology about Aileen the Burner right so he was uh, Aileen was one of the two at the dawn one of the old Irish gods, there's too many to name, uh, and was described as a fire-breathing goblin. And every year during Samhain, Aileen would rock up to Tara, to the hill of Tara, playing on his timpon, sort of a harp, and the music would lull everyone to sleep, kind of like a jigglypuff. It would lull everyone to, everyone to sleep, and then Aileen would go about burning the whole place down. And he did this for 23 years, 23 specifically. Until Fionn McCool showed up and made himself immune to alien sleep magic by breathing the poison of his own spear. Interesting mythology there we'll come back to. Uh, a poison that was so strong it forbade you from sleeping. And then he skewered Aileen with the point of the spear and was made the leader of the Fianna. And here's the interesting theory. This is the kind of stoned ape theory that, that, that makes me like a Joe Rogan figure with theories like this from, from uh, Ben Clifford. Ben says he thinks we were what we were doing back then was lighting big bonfires, getting rat arsed, everyone passing out, and the whole place would burn down. And then Fionn McCool showed up. He decided, nah, the uh, booze isn't for me. I'm going to smoke a big bifter. Anyone want any? No, no, just me. Ends up getting the greenies so bad, he becomes paranoid that he can't sleep. And then just as things start to catch fire, he's like, ah, ah, and uh, is able to stop it. And actually looking at some of the pics here, uh, it does look like it was a serious sesh. Alien standing there, the hands in the pockets, spewing shite in the smoking area. <laughs> um, and uh, But it turns out that Fionn with his shield, he's immune to it all. And he saves the day. Exceptional work, Ben. Right, what have we learned? We have learned why I'm into sound because I saw the Disney Pixar film Coco, right? And I want to have my own personal Irish ofrenda. We've learned what Samhain is. It is the day in which all the harvest is done. It's when all the rent is paid. It's when you can finally relax. But it's also equidistant from the winter and the summer solstice where things get a little bit witchy. It's also kind of the end of the year. And it's a time for reflecting on death. It's time for reflecting on a new life. It's time for welcoming the dead back. As you know that you will eventually be dead just as the winter and things die and the leaves shrivel up. And so shall we all. And that's okay. And that's okay, and you can reflect on that. It's about dressing up like Ashton Kutcher, so other Ashton Kutchers don't jock you. It's about leaving chicken balls outside your front door for me. When I come back, just make sure you leave a bit of curry sauce. It's about uh, coming together as a big community, accepting that you've all done a well job, you're an integral part of the community, unless you're a bachelor, in which case we will kill you with smoke inhalation. Um, and it's about just uh, reflecting and knowing that we'll all pass, and that's okay, and you can just do good enough. That's all I'm going to do. <laughs> and thank you very much Ben I really appreciate that fine work um, and um, if you would like to check out his podcast he has a fine Dungeons and Dragons podcast everyone's talking about Critical Role coming back everyone's talking about all these other D&D podcasts you need to check out his um, uh, homebrew quest over on YouTube he's a fine dungeon master and a fine man anyway let me let me plug some things I got some things to plug I'm going to plug some um, I got some gigs to plug I'm going to be performing in Vicker Street next year. Two nights, right? I'm bricking it. It's going to be great. Tony Cantwell Pony is the name of the show. And 
I think it's going to be really funny. I think it's going to be really good. It's a, it's mostly stand-up with a mix of sketch, and it's going to have some music, and it's going to be bigger and bolder and, most importantly, weirder than anything else I've done. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. I, especially having done that last Vicker Street show, I realize I can be a lot weirder with the stand-up. And the response to this podcast has meant I feel people really kind of get my sense of humor. So it's going to be really good. You can trust me on that. And tickets for that are going to be going on sale for Vicker Street the 25th and 26th of March. They're going on sale on Friday. However, if you are a Patreon subscriber, if you enjoy getting extra podcasts, you can also benefit from getting early bird tickets, which will be on sale on Wednesday on the Patreon. So I'd say this. If you've considered uh, being a, a podcast subscriber, if it's coming up to payday and you're thinking, Do you know what, I wouldn't mind just throwing this lot of pint. I've listened to his podcast. I want to support him. And I also wouldn't mind listening to more podcasts and getting early access. If you'd like to get on board with that, feel free. You know, even if you want to trial it for a month, it'd be a good time to do it now as more tickets like this are announced and Patreon subscribers will always get early bird access to those tickets. Um, so do check that out. Um, it's the equivalent of a price of a pint a month. And uh, I am forever grateful even just for you listening to this right now. Do you know what? If you are not, if you decide you don't want to be a Patreon subscriber, then you will still be everything I ever needed you to be, my son. Right. Anyway, I also want to thank the sponsor of this week's podcast, the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. Go make yourself a spooky slimer ectogasm. Uh, but it's essentially whiskey sour. Um, and go to the DLD.com. Get yourself some Dubliner Irish Whiskey Green Label. Check out all the other selections they got. They got some new stuff popping really soon, and it's very exciting. And um, if you want to check, keep more abreast of new things they're dropping go to at Dubliner Whiskey over on the social and check them out that's me I'm plugged out I'm spooked out I'm having a good time thanks so much for listening thanks again to Ben for the research and all the best bye bye it's only a show